Chapter Fifteen, Part One, of the House by the Medlar Tree, by Giovanni Verga, translated by Mary A. Craig. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Denham. People said that Leah was gone to live with Don Michele, that the Malavoglia, after all, had nothing left to lose and Don Michele would give her bread to eat. Padron Tony was of no use to anybody any more. He did nothing but wander about, bent almost double, and uttering at intervals proverbs without sense or meaning, like, A hatchet for the fallen tree! Who falls in the water gets wet! The thinnest horse has the most flies! And when they asked him, why he was always wandering about, he said, "'Hunger drives the wolf out of the wood,' or the hungry dog fears not the stick. But no one asked how he was, or seemed to care about him, now he was reduced to such a condition. They teased him, and asked him why he stood waiting, with his back against the church tower, like Uncle Crucifix, when he had money to lend, or sitting under the boats which were drawn up on the sand, as if he had Padron Fortunato's bark out at sea. And Padron Antoni replied that he was waiting for death, who would not come to take him, for long are the days of the unhappy. No one in the house ever spoke of Leah, not even St. Agatha, who, if she wished to relieve her feelings, went and wept beside her mother's bed when she was alone in the house. Now this house, too, had become as wide as the sea, and they were lost in it. The money was gone with Ntoni. Alessio was always away here or there at work, and Nunziata used to be charitable enough to come and kindle the fire when Mena used to have to go out towards evening and lead her grandfather home in the dusk because he was half-blind. Don Silvestro, and others in the place, said that Alessio would do better to send his grandfather to the poorhouse, now that he was of no more use to anybody, but that was the only thing that frightened the poor old fellow. Every time that Mena led him out by the hand in the morning to take him where the sun shone, to wait for death, he thought that they were leading him to the poorhouse, so silly was he grown, and he went on stammering, "'But will death never come?' so that some people used to ask him, laughing, where he thought death had gone. Alessio came back every Saturday night, and brought all his money, and counted it out to his grandfather, as if he had still been reasonable. He always replied, "'Yes, yes!' and nodded his head, and they always had to hide the little sum under the mattress in the old place, and told him, to please him, that they were putting it away to buy back the house by the medlar tree, and that in a year or two they should have enough. But then the old man shook his head obstinately, and replied that now they did not need the house, and that it would have been better if there had never been the house of the Malavoglia, now that the Malavoglia were all scattered here and there. 
Once he called Nunziata aside under the almond tree, where no one was by, and seemed to be anxious to say something very important. But he moved his lips without speaking, and seemed to be seeking for words, looking from side to side. "'Is it true what they say about Leah?' he said at last. "'No!' replied Nunziata, crossing her hands on her breast. "'No, by the Madonna of Ognino, it is not true!' He began to shake his head, with his chin sunk on his breast. "'Then why has she run away, too? Why has she run away?' And he went about the house, looking for her, pretending to have lost his cap, touching the bed and the cupboard, and sitting down at the loom without speaking. "'Do you know,' he asked after a while, "'do you know where she is gone?' But to Mena he said nothing. Nunziata really did not know where she was, nor did any one else in the place. One evening there came and stopped in the black street, Alfio Mosca with the cart, to which was now harnessed a mule, and he had had the fever at Bicocca, and had nearly died, so that his face was yellow as saffron, and he had lost his fine straight figure, but the mule was fat and shining. "'Do you remember when I went away to Bicocca, when you were still in the house by the medlar?' he asked. Now everything is changed, for the world is round, some swim and some are drowned. This time they had not even a glass of wine to offer him in welcome. Cousin Alfio knew where Leah was. He had seen her with his own eyes, looking just as Cousin Mena used to, when she used to come to her window and he talked to her from his. For which reason— he sat still, looking from one thing to another, looking at the furniture, and at the walls, and feeling as if the loaded cart were lying on his breast, while he sat without speaking beside the empty table, to which they no longer sat down to eat the evening meal. "'Now I must go,' he repeated, finding that no one spoke to him. "'When one has left one's home, it is better never to come back.' for everything changes while one is away, and even the faces that meet one are changed, so that one feels like a stranger. Mena continued silent. Meanwhile Alessio began to tell him how he had made up his mind to marry Nunziata as soon as he had put together a little money, and Alfio replied that he was quite right. If Nunziata had also saved a little money, for that she was a good girl, and everybody knew her in the place. So even do our nearest and dearest forget us when we are no longer here, and each thinks of his own affairs and of bearing the burden which God has given him, like Alfio Mosca's ass, poor beast, who was sold, and gone no one knew where. Nuziata had her own dowry by this time, for her brothers were growing big enough to earn their own bread, and even to put by now and then a soldo, and she had never bought jewellery or good clothes for herself, for, she said, gold was for rich people, 
had white clothes, it was nonsense to buy while she was still growing. By this time she was grown up, a tall, slight girl with black hair and deep, sweet eyes, that had never lost the look they wore when she found herself deserted by her father, with all her little brothers on her hands, whom she had reared through all those years of care and trouble. Seeing how she had pulled through all these troubles, she and her little brothers, and she a slip of a thing no bigger than the broom-handle, every one was glad to speak to her, and to notice her if they met her in the street. "'The money we have,' she said to cousin Alfio, who was almost like a relation, they had known him so long, "'at All Saints my eldest brother is going to Master Filippo as hired man, and the second to Padron Cipolla in his place. When we have found a place for Turi, I shall marry, but I must wait till I am older, and my father gives his consent.' "'But your father doesn't even think whether you're alive or dead,' said Alfio. "'If he were to come back now,' said Nunziata, calmly in her sweet voice, sitting quietly with her hands on her knees, "'he would stay, because now we have some money.' Then cousin Alfio repeated to Alessio that he would do well to marry Nunziata, now that she had money. "'We shall buy back the house by the medlar,' added Alessio, "'and Grandfather will live with us. "'When the others come back, they will live there too, "'and if Nunziata's father comes, there will also be room for him.' "'No one spoke of Leah, but they all thought of her, "'as they sat with arms on their knees, looking into the moonlight. "'Finally Cousin Mosca got up to go, because his mule shook his bells impatiently, almost as if he had known who it was whom Cousin Alfio had met, and whom they did not expect, at the house by the medlar tree. Uncle Crucifix expected that the Malavoglia would come to him about that house by the medlar, which had been lying all this time on his hands as if nobody cared to have it, so that he had no sooner heard that Alfio Mosca was come back to the place than he went after him to ask him to speak to the Malavoglia and induce them to settle the affair, forgetting, apparently, that he had been so jealous of Alfio Mosca when he went away that he had wished to break his ribs with a big stick. "'Listen, cousin Alfio,' said Dumbbell, "'if you'll arrange that affair of the house with the Malavoglia, when they have the money—' I'll give you enough to pay for the shoes you'll wear out going between us. Cousin Alfio went to speak to the Malavoglia, but Padron Ntoni shook his head and said, No, now we should not know what to do with the house, for Mena is not likely to marry, and there are no Malavoglia left. I am still here, because the afflicted have long lives. "'But when I am gone, Alessio will marry Nunziata, and they will go away from the place.' He, too, was going away. The greater part of the time he passed in bed, like a crab under the pebbles, crying out with pain. "'What have I to do here?' he stammered. 
and he felt as if he was robbing them of the food they gave him. In vain did Mena and Alessio seek to persuade him otherwise. He repeated that he was robbing them of their food and of their time, and made them count the money hidden under the mattress, and if it grew less, he muttered, "'At least if I were not here you would not need to spend so much. There is nothing left for me to do here, and it is time I was gone.' The doctor, who came to feel his pulse, said that it was better they should take him to the hospital, for where he was he wore out his own life, and theirs too, to no purpose. Meanwhile the poor old man looked from one to the other, trying to guess what was said, with sad faded eyes, trembling lest they should send him to the poorhouse. Alessio would not hear of sending him to the poorhouse, and said that while there was bread for any of them there was for all. And Mena, for her part, also said no, and took him out into the sun on fine days, and sat down by him with her distaff, telling him stories as she would have done to a child, and spinning when she was not obliged to go to wash. She talked to him also of what they would do if any little providential fortune were to happen to them, to comfort him, telling him how they would buy a calf at St. Sebastian, and how she would be able to cut grass enough to feed it through the winter. In May they would sell it again at a profit, and she showed him the brood of chickens she had, and how they came picking about their feet as they sat in the sun and rolling in the dust of the street. With the money they would get for the chickens they would buy a pig, so as not to lose the fig peelings or the water in which the macaroni had been boiled, and at the end of the year it would be as if they had been putting money in a money-box. The old man, with his hands on his stick, gave approving nods, looking at the chickens. He listened so attentively that at last he got so far as to say that if they had got back the house by the meddler, they could have kept the pig in the court, and that it would bring a certain profit with Cousin Nasso. At the house by the medlar tree there was also the stable for the calf, and the shed for the hay, and everything. He went on recalling one thing after another, looking about him with sunken eyes, and his chin upon his stick. Then he would ask his granddaughter under his breath, "'What was it the doctor said about the uh, hospital?' And Mena would scold him as if he were a child, saying to him, why do you think about such things? He was silent, and listened quietly to all she said. But then he repeated, Don't send me to the hospital. I'm not used to it. At last he ceased to get out of bed, and the doctor said that it was all over with him, and that he could do no more, but that he might live like that for years, and that Alessio and Mena and Nunziata too would have to give up their day's work to take care of him, for that if there were not someone near him the pigs might eat him up if the door were left open. 
Padron and Tony understood quite well what was said, for he looked at their faces one after another, with eyes that it would break one's heart to see. And the doctor was still standing on the doorstep with Mena, who was weeping, and Alessio, who said no, and stamped and stormed when he signed to Nunziata to come near him, and whispered to her, "'It would be better to send me to the hospital. Here I am eating them out of house and home. Send me away some day when Mena and Alessio are gone out. They say no, because they have the good heart of the Malavoglia. But I am eating up the money which should be put away for the house. And then the doctor said that I might live like this for years, and there is nothing here for me to do. But I don't want to live for years down there at the hospital.' Nunziata began to cry, and she also said no, until all the neighbourhood cried out upon them for being proud, when they hadn't bread to eat. They ashamed to send their father to the hospital, when the rest were scattered about here and there, and in such places too. So it went on, over and over, and the doctor kept on saying it was of no use his coming and going for nothing, and when the gossips came to stand round the old man's bed, cousin Grazia, or Anna, or Nunziata, he went on saying that the fleas were eating him up. Padron Tony did not dare to open his mouth, but lay there still, worn and pale. And as the gossips went on talking among themselves, and even Nunziata could not answer them, one day, when Alessio was not there, he said at last, "'Go and call Cousin Alfio Mosca, that he may do me the charity to carry me to the hospital in his cart.' So Padron and Tony went away to the hospital in Alfio Mosca's cart. They had put the mattress and pillows in it, but the poor sick man, although he said nothing, looked long at everything while they carried him to the cart one day when Alessio was gone to Riposto, and they had sent Mena away on some pretext, or they would not have let him go. In the black street, when they passed before the house by the medla tree, and while they were crossing the piazza, Padron and Tony continued to look about him, as if to fix everything in his memory. Alfio led the mule on one side, and Nunziata, who had left Turi in charge of the calf, the turkeys, and the fowls, walked on the other side with the bundle of shirts under her arm. Seeing the cart pass, everyone came out to look at it, and watched it until it was out of sight, and Don Silvestro said that they had done quite right, and that it was for that the commune paid the rate for the hospital, and Don Franco would also have made his little speech if Don Silvestro had not been there. "'At least that poor devil will be left in peace,' said Uncle Crucifix. "'Necessity abases nobility,' said Padron Cipolla, and Santuzza repeated an Ave Maria for the poor old man. Only the cousin Anna and cousin Grace Goosefoot wiped their eyes with their aprons as the cart moved slowly away, 
jolting on the stones. But Uncle Tino chid his wife, "'What are you whining about? Am I dead? What is it to you?' Alfio Mosca, as he guided the cart, related to Nunziata how and where he had seen Leah, who was the image of Sant'Agata, and he even yet could hardly believe that he had really seen her, and his voice was almost lost as he spoke of it, to while the time as they walked along the dusty road. "'Ah, Nunziata, who would have thought it, when we used to talk to each other from the doors, and the moon shone, and we heard the neighbours talking in front, and St. Agatha's loom was going all day long.' those hens that knew her as soon as she opened the door, and La Longa, who called her from the court, and everything could be heard in my house as plainly as in theirs. Poor Longa! See, now that I have my mule and everything just as I wished, and I wouldn't have believed it would have happened if an angel had told me. Now I am always thinking of those old times and the evenings when I heard all your voices when I was stabling my donkey, and saw the light in the house by the medlar, which is now shut up, and how, when I came back, I found nothing as I left it, and cousin Mena so changed. When one leaves one's own place, it is better never to come back. See, I keep thinking, too, about that poor donkey that worked for me so long, and went on always, rain or shine, with his bent head and his long ears. Now who knows where they drive him, by what rough ways, or with what heavy loads, and how his ears hang down lower than ever, and he snuffs at the earth which will soon cover him, for he is old, poor beast." Padron and Tony, stretched on the mattress, heard nothing, and they had put a covering drawn over canes on the cart, so that it seemed as if they were carrying a corpse. "'For him it is best that he should not hear,' continued Cousin Alfio. "'He felt for Tony's trouble, and it would be so much worse if he ever came to hear how Leah has gone.' "'He asked me about her often when we were alone,' said Nunziata. "'He wanted to know where she was.' "'She is worse off than her brother is. "'We poor things are like sheep. "'We go where we see others go. "'You must never tell anyone, "'especially anyone in our place, where I saw Leah, "'for it would kill Santa Agata.' She recognised me, certainly, when I passed where she stood at the door, for she turned white and then red, and I whipped my mule to get past as quick as I could, and I am sure that poor thing would rather have had the cart go over her, or that I might have been driving her the corpse that her grandfather seems. Now the family of the Malavoglia is destroyed, and you and Alessio must bring it up again.' "'We have the money for the plenishing. "'At St. John's Day we shall sell the calf. "'Bravo! "'So when the money is put away, "'there won't be the chance of losing it in a day "'as you might if the calf happened to die. "'The Lord forbid! "'Here we are, at the first houses of the town, "'and you can wait for me here "'if you don't want to come to the hospital.' 
No, I want to go too, so at least I shall see where they put him, and he will have me with him to the last moment. Padron and Tony saw them even to the last moment, and while Nunziata went away with Alfio Mosca, slowly, slowly, down the long, long room that seemed like a church, he accompanied them with his eyes, then turned on his side and moved no more. Cousin Alfio and Nunziata rolled up the mattress and the cover and got into the cart and drove home over the long dusty road in silence. End of chapter 15 part 1 Recording by Tom Denham